Happy Mother's Day to all the moms here today. Glad that you're here with us this morning. You know, this is a special day to remember mothers and just appreciate you being here and making it a priority to be in worship on a day like this. We had a good attendance first service this morning for Mother's Day, and so we know there's lots of plans and lots of family things, and we want to keep God there as the priority of our life. You know, it has been a long time uh, since I have felt this way. For about two years, when you've come into the sanctuary, I've always wanted you to not look somewhere. It's been a long time, and it was like, please, Lord, when they come in this morning, uh, now that we got the leak fixed, please just don't have them look up to see the perfect tape hanging, the discoloration and everything. But if you look up there, look at it. It's like it's fixed. Yeah, praise the Lord. So... Yeah, Lyndon Rainey and, and uh, Rick Berry were on the lift this week, main, mainly Lyndon spraying, pervitaping, texturing, doing all that, and finally got it fixed. So now I don't care if you look up there, okay? You come in here, you look anywhere, and we look good in the sanctuary now. So just praise the Lord that we got that done. And I just think it's appropriate uh, that, that he did that this week as we're talking about an American Idol called Work today, uh, because he put his this work on hold so he could do some work here in the Lord's church, which was, which was really awesome. And uh, we've been in this series called American Idols for several weeks now. The first week, we really just laid the baseline that, that God doesn't want any other gods before him. He wants no, no idols, nothing, nothing that would be before him. And if we remind ourselves, an idol is anything in our life that becomes the main thing. Anything that becomes the main thing that gets put in front of God becomes an idol in our lives. And we've talked about idols like more that we want to accumulate more. Uh, we talked about an idol the third week called success. We talked an idol about, about an idol called control. We're trying to control everything in our life. Last week, Mark Worley from Dallas Christian College was here. We talked about an idol called now. And today we're going to be talking about this idol called work, an idol called work. So let's pray. Let's ask God to be with us this morning as we get into this time of the message. God, just pray that you would speak to us today, that you would be on the increase, Lord, that I would be on the decrease. And God, that you would just speak to us through your word, speak to us through the wisdom that you gave Solomon this morning. And God, that we can truly just bring about um, what you desire, the changes you desire in our hearts and in our minds, that we can live for you uh, even more and even better than before. And Lord, that we can be closer to you even more and even better than before. So God, just be with us in this time and continue to speak to us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There was a church member that um, asked her pastor, uh, where were you yesterday? She's like, I, I couldn't get a hold of you. I came by the church office and you weren't here. And I, I called your cell phone and couldn't get a hold of you there. And, and you know, what, where were you? What were you doing? And the pastor answered and he said, well, I was taking a day off. And she said, well, the devil never takes a day off. To which the pastor replied, yes, and if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like him. So, you know, it's kosher in our society today to work a lot, isn't it? We work all the time, and it's kosher to say you're busy. You probably caught yourself saying that in the lobby between services, right? Is you know, how you been? Oh, man, we're just busy, 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 busy. You know, how, how you doing? Well, we're busy. A lot of us, we, we admit, man, we work the late hours so we can be number one, so we can have the success at work. But if it becomes the main thing in our life, and if it, it becomes one of the things that we begin to find ourselves thinking about and consuming our mind, we begin to worship there, it's a really bad thing. Now, I'm here to tell you this morning that even pastors struggle with this. 
Okay, I'll give you an example of this. I go to conferences all over the, the country during the year, and I was at a conference a couple years ago, and they offer these workshops, and they're kind of a, elective workshops by topic and different things. You can learn about this, you can learn about that. One of the workshop titles was this for pastors, okay? Now, now catch this, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. It, this is the title of the workshop, Kick Satan's Butt and Be Home by Five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> Yeah, and you know what that was really about is about time management and priorities for pastors, for those in ministry, because we can even become consumed with work and with busyness. And that's why we must stop equating busyness with worthiness. We must stop equating just busyness with, with worthiness, because here's the lie. We, we believe this lie that if you're busy, then you mean something. If I'm so busy, that has become a status symbol in our country at this time. It expresses importance. It expresses that you are needed, you are noticed, and you are necessary for something. Now, we're going to be reading a passage this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you want to grab the Bible that's right there um, in, in front of you there, just turn it to page 554. 554, and you'll be there. You can also follow along in our app with the sermon notes and the scriptures will be there. But we're going to be reading a passage this morning from Ecclesiastes that was written by a man named Solomon. Now Solomon was a king of Israel, and he was actually a son of King David. You remember David and Goliath David, King David, David and Jonathan David, that David, this is one of his sons. And, and Solomon became the king over Israel, and he really had a brilliant reign, much success, so much that he is called one of the richest and wisest men in history because he had so much going for him so much success and so he writes a lot of what we call the wisdom literature of the Old Testament and a lot of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and if, if you read Old Testament uh, uh, w wisdom literature then you know that this comes from Solomon and today we're gonna be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 17 is where we're gonna begin and he's really this morning talking about work he's talking about our work and so let's see what he what he has to say to us this morning and this is what it says so I hated life hmm. because what is done under the Sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after wind I hated all of my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and I gave my heart up to despair over all the toil, over all my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all of the toil and striving of heart which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is of vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom 
and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to someone who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Do you understand what Solomon is saying here as the king of Israel? He's saying, I'm doing all this work, and I have all this wisdom, I have all this riches, I have everything I need in life, I'm successful, and guess what? I'm going to work really hard at this, I'm just going to leave it to the next person. And, you see what, and what he says here is, you know what I realized by this? It's, it's just toil, it's just like chasing after the wind. It's, it's literally meaningless. You know, life is going to be frustrating to us, as long as we give first class allegiance to second class causes. I think that's what he's saying here in this passage, that if you don't keep the main thing the main thing, and you get distracted by your work and by your toil, guess what? You're going to be frustrated in life, because you're just going to leave it to someone else to take over for you. And we can't give our first class allegiance to a second class cause, like work. You see, work is going to be toil if we try to make it more than what God designed it to be in our lives. Now, you weren't designed to find your only worth in life in what you accomplish in your work. This is when work becomes an idol. And King Solomon is warning us here that if we begin to worship our work, then we're giving this first-class allegiance to this second-class cause, and he calls it chasing after the wind. And what he's saying here is you will not find meaning or purpose in life there. The fact is that God did design you to do something, to find work fulfilling, to not just sit and take up space and consume. We are called by God to be workers. That's why when you become a member here at Oakwood and you go to the classes, we stress that you become a contributor, that you celebrate and worship, you connect in a small group, and you contribute in ministry service. Because we know that giving of your time and your talent and your skills and your resources to the Lord's work here is fulfilling, is worthwhile, and helps you grow in faith and in your relationship with Christ. You can actually do valuable work here that will make an eternal difference. You can be a faithful believer and have a true sense of accomplishment in your life. But to those that would not work, but would only come and consume and not be contributors, I think they have a miserable existence in the kingdom of God. Because they're unfulfilled. God didn't design them to sit and do nothing. God designed them to stand and do something. They never reach their full spiritual potential either. They tend to have a critical spirit and be negative, and sometimes they can be the chief gripers and complainers in the church. And it's mainly because they're not doing what God has called them to do, to be a contributor to God's mission in some way. So we can see that God has designed us to work and to accomplish something, especially in his kingdom. You have to understand, you don't have to work to find a place in God's heart. He already loves you. You don't have to earn his love by working in some way. But you can start relating the work you do in your life to your witness for Christ and to your growth in Him. So this morning what I want to talk about is how can you get your work to relate to your calling as a Christ follower without it becoming an idol in your life? How can I go out in the world and accomplish what I need to accomplish for work and for my job and provision, but also make sure that it stays right in the priority list of my life? How can I honor God in what I do? The first thing I want you to understand this morning is this. We need to always remember that my work needs to bring honor to my heavenly boss. My work needs to bring honor to my heavenly boss. Now, if you're out there in the world and you're working and you have a manager, you have a boss, you know the fact is that you are trying to please the boss, right? 
A lot of times they're going to give you a list of things they want you to do. There's a task list or there's, there's goals and, and, and things that, that you are called by God to do, that they want you to accomplish these things. But I want us to have a perspective that it's not just about the heavenly boss. It's not, I mean, about the earthly boss. It's also about the heavenly boss, that you are to bring honor to God in all that you do. Now, if you uh, grew up in the church, maybe you're like, I'm familiar with this concept. I know it's in Scripture somewhere. Let's look at that verse. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says this. Whatever you do, say that with me. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever, whatever it is that you do. Whatever work it is that you do. Whatever you do, what does it say? Work heartily. In other words, work hard at it. As for who? Your, your earthly boss only. No. As for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And this is why I think business owners and people that own companies would want Christians to work for them. Because we are to work to honor God in our work and in our toil. I mean, that's why I would think at some point I would want Christians working in my organization if I owned a company. Because if they're going to work as it says in Scripture, they're going to be the best workers on the planet. It's like they're not even serving me. They're going to be serving the Lord God Almighty. And they see that as something that will honor God in their lives. I'm from Van Buren County in Iowa. And in Van Buren County is a little town called Kiyosakwa. And in, if you went to the little town of Kiyosakwa, it's one of those towns that's like, does this town have a gas station? Well, it actually has two. Well, does this, this town have, you know, restaurants? Well, it has the creamery and it has Riverbend Pizza. Well, does this, this town have a grocery store? Yes. A grocery store is named Archie's. Archie's is not a chain store, it's just a little grocery store. I would compare it to Aldi here in Enid. It's about three aisles, and that's about it. But it's got what you need, it's got, you know, it's got your, your basic functional needs, so you can prepare meals and stuff. And I remember my, my grandma living in, in Kiyosakwa uh, would sometimes give me money, and I would literally walk the three blocks over to Archie's uh, to get something. And I remember as a young man, um, I was probably you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, I was impressed by a worker there at Archie's. His name was Dwayne Barker. If you went and met Dwayne, you would know immediately that something was different about Dwayne. I don't know what, what was going on uh, with him, but you, know, you could tell that he, he didn't talk like other people talked. I mean, he may have had some mental challenges or handicaps in some way. But Dwayne was an awesome hard worker. Dwayne was one of those guys that when you walked in, he would make sure that every customer was greeted. He would make sure as he was bagging groceries that they were bagged securely, that they were done right. And I remember as a child going up and down the aisles of the store and having him come down the aisle and say, can I help you find anything? Can I help you find anything? I mean, he was just on the go constantly. He was a really hard worker. Everybody there loved him. But you could just see the joy of the Lord in his life, and it just, over, it just overflowed into his work. That everything he did there, even with the challenges that he may be facing, his physical or his mental challenges, he was a really, really good worker at Archie's. It was very positive. It was very helpful. And he worked hard at it. And you, you got this feeling that his work had become a place where he lived out his calling. And his calling was to honor God. I love the mom who gets it. Maybe she has this sign over her kitchen sink that reads, worship services held here three times daily. Because you can worship God with your work, or you can worship your work. 
You see, God gives everyone something to do, and He wants it to be meaningful. He wants it to be something that would build towards some type of eternal benefit. And sometimes that's a matter of changing our perspective and how we view things. God designed us to do meaningful work. And that's why the concept of retirement is actually never found in Scripture. It's never mentioned in the Bible. All the Bible characters and all the great kings, it doesn't say that they ever retired. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be gainfully employed for the rest of your life. But God designed you to work and to accomplish something of significance for him. And that doesn't stop because you turned some magic age or because you have funded some retirement account. The truth is that God's plan is that you would be working for him until the day that you die. So when a Christian retires, they retire to something. They don't just retire from something. And if you find Christians that retire from something only, you'll find out that they are probably a little restless and a little unfulfilled and probably really don't enjoy their life. You see, in this process, they discover a new sense of purpose for a new season in their life. Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky has about 28,000 people attending there on weekends now. And what's amazing about that group, and I read this in an article, they put out a church paper and we get it here, here at the church. What's amazing is they have a group there of retirees, and it was put in the paper several years back, and I can't remember if it was a million dollars or hundreds of thousands, but it said, retirees save the church hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in labor costs. You may say, why? It's because when they, when they got out of that 40-hour a week, or maybe it was a 50-hour a week job, and they finally got to retirement, they said, what can I do now? with some of this freed up time to serve the Lord even more? How can I have more of an impact in my life? And those people went to work. What, what, what some, one of the retirees started was to clean up the sanctuary between services, and then during the week, they come and clean underneath every seat. They have an 8,000-seat sanctuary. So it's a lot of space to cover, okay? They come in, and, and this is just one of their ministry teams, comes in, cleans the sanctuary, gets all the communion cups out of the way, gets all the bulletins and papers that are left, and they come in and do that, and you say, well, Why? Why would they do that? It's because when they retire from their secular career, they feel like it's a season that I have time to go even, even into more ministry in God's church. And so they celebrate their, their season of retirement as more free time to get involved in the Lord's work. And I believe that this points to the fact that, that work is not an idol in their life. They didn't say, well, I'm just going to use my work for personal gain. I will not use it for the Lord. They honored God and continued to work for his kingdom. I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter if you're 9 years old or if you're 90 years old. God has something significant for you to do in his kingdom. And you know what happens when you quit working and serving the Lord? I think sometimes you get a little grumpy. Because you're not doing what God made you to do. And sometimes I think we need to think outside the walls of the church. Yeah, it's great to, to, to volunteer and serve the church. We have many wonderful people that volunteer, answer phones, that, that do our lawns for us. I mean, uh, 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 we have people that help with maintenance projects right here. We have all kinds of people that do all kinds of things right here. But, but what about people that would be volunteer cross guards at the school? Or, or maybe, maybe in your years of retirement, you could go to the schools and read to students that have a hard time reading or maybe tutor them in some subject Maybe you could visit hospitals to those who are shut in or, or to, to nursing homes where they can't, any, can't come any longer to church. 
Maybe you want to help do projects here at the church, like be on the maintenance team and, and help with lawn care and projects that come up. Some people, they quilt and they tat and crochet and make blankets for those in need. Some people will say, well, I'm going to go on every mission trip that you offer. I'm going to go to Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Philippines, whatever you offer. In John 5, when Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, people were coming down on him because, you know, it's a shame you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And in John 5, 17 in the NIV, Jesus says this, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. You see, God is a working God. He's an active God, and God gives everyone work to do. But I want to tell you this morning, he doesn't give you too much work to do. You see, the work idol says that life has to be hectic and frazzled and stressed out. And that's just normal, and that's just necessary. And Solomon would tell us that you're a bunch of wind chasers if you buy into that lie. And we're in Oklahoma here, so we can you know, relate to the wind illustration, right? Especially the last two weeks. You know... It's one of those things, if you think about chasing wind, it seems really peculiar and really crazy. And yet, that's the illustration that Solomon gives us over and over, not only in this section of Scripture, but in other parts of Ecclesiastes, that if you toil and you work and you go after the things of this world, and you don't focus and center your, your life on God, that there's going to be issues. You know, one of the things I think that this really speaks to is the fact that we need to have priorities right in our life. We need to have priorities. I want you to watch an illustration here that kind of illustrates this point about priorities that we need to have in life. Uh, watch the screens. There's a well-known story about a university professor who wanted to make a point about how we make the most of our time. The professor stood before his class with some items in front of him. When the class began, without speaking, he picked up a large empty jar and proceeded to fill it with rocks about two inches in diameter. He then asked the students if the jar was full. They agreed that it was full. So the professor then picked up a box of pebbles and poured them into the jar. He shook the jar lightly and watched as the pebbles rolled into the open areas between the rocks. The professor then asked the students again if the jar was full. They chuckled and agreed that it was indeed full this time. The professor picked up a box of sand and poured it into the jar. The sand filled the remaining open areas of the jar. Now, said the professor, I want you to recognize that this jar signifies your life. The rocks are the truly important things, such as family, health, and relationships. If all else was lost and only the rocks remained, your life would still be meaningful. The pebbles are the other things that matter in your life, such as work or school. The sand signifies the remaining small stuff and material possessions. If you were to put sand into the jar first, there is no room for the rocks or the pebbles. The same can be applied to your lives. If you spend all your time and energy on the small stuff, you will never have room for the things that are truly important. Pay attention to the things in life that are critical to your happiness and well-being. Take time to look after your health, play with your children, go for a run, write a letter to your grandmother. There will always be time to go to work, clean the house or watch TV. Take care of the rocks first. The things that really matter set your priorities. The rest is just pebbles and sand. You know, you kind of hear that and you kind of get it. And I know that's like a secular illustration. It says, hey, focus on family, relationships, and health. And we should focus on those things. But I really want to relate this back to work and priorities in God. Because there's a recent survey that was just taken of thousands of Christians 
And it asks, why do you not know God better, feel like you're closer to God, and why are you not growing in your Christian faith? And the number one answer was, we're too busy. Too busy. I, I don't have time to. I've got too many of this little rocks and this sand in here, and, and I don't have room for the things that really matter. I want you to think about that for a second. Let that sink in a little bit. Are we too busy and too consumed with work to know our Heavenly Father? Is that the reason that we try to, to, to squeeze God into bite-sized commitments? You know, little one-sentence prayers, you know, one-hour worship services that we show up 15 minutes late for. You know, I, I joined a connect group and I made this commitment. I was well-intentioned. I was really going to attend, but now I don't attend anymore because, because why? Because priorities slip and little sand and little rocks get in there and it starts to pull us away from God. And that's why I've always said, and I really believe this in my heart, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he'll bit by bit and piece by piece pull you away from your relationship with God. And so we must remember that we work at our relationship with God. And when we work, we bring honor to our heavenly boss. The second thing that we need to know this morning, we need to commit ourselves to to keep, keep these priorities straight, is I, we need to say this, I will live out of the conviction that God gives me enough time to do everything he wants me to do. God gives me enough time to do everything that he wants me to do. We are too busy to do the big rocks because we choose to be too busy. And I've been guilty of saying this. These words have actually come from my mouth before where I said, I wish I just had a 26 or a 28-hour day. Then I could get it all done. Does anybody here feel that way? Just an extra couple hours. Maybe four. Four would be awesome. I could actually then sleep a little bit too. But that's not the way God designed us to be. God knows you. He knows your needs. He knows your limits. And he is in charge over our days. And if we aren't getting it all done, then we've taken on some stuff that he didn't intend for us to take on. And as you work, I want you to think about that. If you're one of those people that is hustle, 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 maybe you're taking on some things that God didn't intend if you feel like you need a 26-hour day to complete them. But the good news is it doesn't have to stay that way. But we've got to live out of the conviction that God will give me enough time to accomplish everything that he wants me to do. The third thing is I will work hard at keeping my life in balance. We've used this word a lot in the last 10 years in our culture. We need to find some balance. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha from last week uh, when uh, Mark Worley talked about the now idol? Do you remember the part where Jesus was confronting? And what did he say? He said, Martha, Martha. And anytime Jesus says your name twice, it's probably not good, right? <laughs> I was just glad he didn't say, Martha, Martha, Martha. So, yeah. But what was Jesus really saying to Martha? I thought of this last week as I was listening to Mark preach. He was saying, Martha, Martha, you forgot what the big rocks are. You forgot what really matters. And I want you to notice that Jesus does not condemn Martha's work. Jesus does not condemn Martha's work ethic. He just simply says to her, I want you to reprioritize your life because I want you to make time for the big rocks. And he helps her to find balance because Jesus knew this. We were made for work that blesses us and not work that stresses us. 
We're made for work that blesses us and not work that stresses us. If we walk around with the stress all the time, it's a terrible existence. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, so this is Solomon again uh, in a later chapter. In the NIV, he says this. He says, better is one handful with tranquility, with peace, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. There it is again, the illustration. Chasing after the wind. I just, I just, I don't know, I just want to see that sometimes. <laughs> Send you all out to the parking lot after church and go, go chase the wind. People just running around aimlessly everywhere. It's, it's such a funny illustration, but it's so true. Better to have one handful with some peace than to have two handfuls and be going crazy chasing the wind. But here's the truth is that balance is only achieved by intentionality and accountability. The two things go hand in hand. Balance is only achieved by intentionality and accountability. Intentionality, we have to create times in our life not to be busy and not to be consumed. Maybe if you're going to fast, you need to fast from busyness. You need to carve out time every day to be quiet before the Lord, to spend time reading the Bible, and to talk to Him in prayer. We need to carve out time to worship Him on Sunday mornings. I mean, a time when you can come and you don't fall asleep because you're so tired. Because you're actually well rested. A time when you come early with anticipation. You're not, you're, you, a time where you're not in a hurry to get back to work or get back to the next activity of the day. A time where you, you stay after and you fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ and you soak it up and you recalibrate your lives. You can recalibrate your soul because you understand that that's the big rocks. You know, if you live to be just 70 years old, then God has given you 25,550 days on the earth. And I was thinking, you know, yesterday was a day, a whole day. There's 25,550 of those if you live to be just 70 years old. And some of you that are here this morning, I imagine, are beyond that. You've given, been given more days than that. Are we so busy that we can't give some of those days to the Lord? Because what Solomon is telling us in the passage today is that we need to be aware of the emptiness of the busy life. The emptiness of all I do is work. The accountability side of this is that we need to allow someone in our life to say, hey, I think you're getting out of balance here. We don't get mad at them because they're speaking the truth in love, which means they really care about you and probably care about you more than a brother and sister who won't tell you the truth. But you see, we get all wrapped up in this idol, and it asks us to work, and to work, and to toil, and to toil, and it gets our focus on things that don't matter in life, and then we get to the end of our life, and we realize that it was a sad existence, because our work never blessed anyone else. No one was blessed by our work. No one was touched by our toil. I want you to remember that it's not really about how much you've heaped in life, but how much you've helped in life. As we conclude this morning, I want you to think about this. Tomorrow, most of us in this room are going to go back to the world of work. We're going to go back to the world of work. We're going to go back to the world of schedules and, and, and task lists and goals to be met. And you're going to be challenged by the work idol to get busy, busy, busy and focus, focus, focus on just your work and what needs to be accomplished there. And for some, I understand, that busyness is necessary and is non-negotiable, but only for a short time. You cannot run at that pace for the rest of your life. You will, you will not make it. 
It's not meant to be something that you do all the time. It might be necessary and non-negotiable for a short season, but it cannot be the pace you run at the rest of your life. Because I want you to remember, ultimately, you are as busy as you choose to be with what you choose to be. And the God of heaven has given you time in every day of your life to get the big rocks in the jar. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling convicted myself this morning that it's time to look at what rocks are in the jar. It's time to look at this morning about are the big rocks in there first? Are the priorities of life in there first? Because what we choose to do with our life, what we, do, what we choose to do with our existence, really tells about our heart toward our Heavenly Father. So this morning, as we come to this time of invitation, I want you to be thinking about your jar. What's filling it and what priority and order is it in? And is that something perhaps that's hindering you from being all that God has called you to be in Christ Jesus?